So I, I had an epiphany a couple weeks ago. I'm going to share it with you. It really changed the way I looked at stuff. But I have to set it up because just to tell you about it may not mean as much as it does to me. I was talking to an old friend, Reverend Hung Shur, Berkeley Buddhist Monastery. He's into photography. I just bought a new camera. It's a two-year-old style, but it was new. So I saved a lot of money. Amazon.com. Very cool. <laughs> and Reverend Hung Shur says, hey, have you ever tried raw files? I said, I don't even know what raw files are. He says, well, check it out. Check it out. I think you'll like it because you'll have much more control over the photos and pictures that you take. So I decided to investigate raw files. And what I found was this. In the new modern cameras that some of us old school people have, you know, the new school people have cell phones, and those cameras work pretty good. But there's something about just holding a camera in your hand and focusing and changing the aperture and the shutter speed that gives you a sense of purpose in life. <laughs> so I'm taking these photos. And what I did is I went inside my camera and I changed some of the settings. So the setting was raw file JPEG. Every time I take a photo, it creates two files, a JPEG and a RAW file. Okay, so I got that. I had a big memory card, so there was no problem. And I had always taken JPEGs. I hadn't thought about RAW files, because JPEG sort of does it for you. If you have a 16-megapixel camera, your JPEG will give you a 5-megabyte file. It gets rid of 11 megabytes of information that aren't necessary in the JPEG file itself. It just deletes it, throws it away. And more often than not, the pictures are wonderful. They come out just the way the camera wants them to come out. <laughs> so I thought to myself, well, rather than having the intelligent auto I'm going to play around with light and clarity and color and intensity and see what I come up with. So I started messing around with the camera and coming out with these JPEGs that I had a little bit to do with because I changed some of the settings on the camera. It was really cool. But sitting right next to that JPEG file was the RAW file, 16 megabytes as compared to five. It had all the information that went through that lens contained in this one file. I said, well, how cool is that? But now what am I going to do with it? And Reverend Hung Shur said, well, you know what you can do if you have Lightroom or Photoshop or Photoshop Elements? There's a raw file section, and you open it in that. And then you get to mess around with it. And you get to change the lighting and the color and the intensity and the clarity. And then you open that file up as a JPEG and finish it off with some more stuff. And then it's all yours. You did it all. You push the button. You got all the information on the memory card. You got a chance to mess around with it. And you made it yours. It has your footprint on it now. Or maybe your signature. I said, okay, I got it. And I started playing around with it. And you know what? It worked really well. 
I made postcards. It worked so well that I sent some postcards to Vistaprint. I uploaded the image, and a week later, I got back postcards of my pictures. I'm thinking, this is so cool, I can send them to all my friends. You know? I haven't sent any yet, but I'm working on it. <laughs> so then, early one morning, 3 o'clock, you know, that's when the best stuff happens, isn't it? I woke up, my eyes were wide, my brain was just going so quickly. I said, that's it, I figured it out, that's it. I'm a JPEG. <laughs> and I want to be a raw file. <laughs> so this is how it works, I think. This is what I came up with. At 3 o'clock in the morning, I spent a whole hour on this. I just couldn't go back to sleep. It was so insightful, <laughs> what I had come up with. That in order to become the processor that I was, in the same way the camera has a little computer processor in it, I was given information and told to process it in a certain way. So, it started with mom and dad. They told me how I'm supposed to look at the world. And then they sent me to school, and they told me how I was supposed to look at the world. And then I got a job, and they told me how I was supposed to look at the world. So all this information was being processed by previous manipulation. Okay, so there I am, and I'm looking at this, and the JPEGs came out pretty well, but I didn't have any free will. I was just reacting to my situation because of how I had been programmed. And I said to myself, well, what's this raw file? This is before it was processed. This is that direct experience that some of us have had in our meditation practice or the epiphanies we've had on the beach or driving. And just all of a sudden, in one moment, we disappear and we have a complete experience. Complete experience. Then we take credit for it, start to process it, and try to understand it. But that limits us because we can only understand it by the way we've been taught to understand it. So I said to myself, if I have a chance to experience a raw file, how do I want to process it? What do I need to do to be free? And it came to me, the best processor of all, Buddhism. I'll have the raw file, and I'll process it through the Buddhist perspective. I'll find all the greed and hatred and delusion in the JPEG, and I'll change it into generosity, compassion, and wisdom in the raw file. I'll find the attachment and aversion in the JPEG and turn it into non-attachment. I'll take the raw file, which is a non-dual file, and make it dualistic, but according to Buddhism, and in a way that will reduce my suffering and the sufferings of others. Okay, so how do I come to get this raw file? Sometimes in meditation, it happens. I'll just be sitting there, and for some reason, I have anesthetized my ego, my personality, my I, me, and mine. And I come into this direct experience of sight, sound, smell, taste, touch. 
comes through the filter of me. And then how do I use that? Well, sometimes in Koreatown, sound turns into helicopter noise. <laughs> Smell turns into incense burning in the zendo. No sight, it's internal, my eyes are closed. Touch, the knees hurt, the back's uncomfortable, I'm sitting on the floor for an hour. That's my touch. <laughs> and I have this information now, and I see that I'm in charge. That I can do with it what I want. Because it's just raw information. It hasn't been made into anything yet. So I make it into a Buddhist experience. A Buddhist reflection. A Buddhist response to the world. And, of course, we break it down into why do I suffer and how can I end my suffering? And I see in the raw file all the potential for suffering. But if I translate it correctly, I don't have to. If I translate it correctly, I can ease my suffering and the suffering of others. Wow, I said to myself, that is so cool. But how about all those times when I really don't need to translate it into a Buddhist way? For instance, I'm taking a picture of my food, getting ready to post it on Facebook. <laughs> do I really need a Buddhist perspective to do that? Or could I just use my JPEG reaction and post it and make everybody smile? Yeah, so there are sometimes we can use that relative training we've gone through our whole life to react to the world around us and do it appropriately and not increase anyone's suffering. And then there are other times when the Buddhist perspective is really helpful. Like if we're at a memorial service for someone we've loved and now they've gone. And that relative reality that we've been taught our whole life may not be enough for this situation. We may need some deeper reflection. We may need to see how all things are interconnected and interdependent and ever-changing. Nothing stays the same longer than a moment. And of course, in the Buddhist perspective, we have rebirth. In order to be reborn, we have to leave this life. So it gives us a sense of peace to apply the Buddhist perspective in some situations. And in other situations, it may just be too time-consuming and not that useful. So I'm going through all this at 3 o'clock in the morning. And it's starting to make more and more sense. And then I start to say to myself, well, what is the ultimate goal then of this raw file? This non-dual reality that I've had a chance to experience but now have changed the process of understanding into a process of knowing, which goes much deeper, I think, than simple intellectual understanding. Well, the Buddha was very clear when he talked about the Buddhist path. He said, it's a raft. It gets you from point A to point B. It gets you across the river. But if there are no more rivers to cross, only a fool would carry the raft on his shoulders. So you're going to have to ultimately let go of Buddhism. It's cool to be a Buddhist. Everybody likes them now. 
but you know, that'll change, you know. There'll be another flavor of the month, and there you go. The idea, I think, is really to just become the raw file. We have intuitively all the information we need to survive, but we don't have all the information necessary to end suffering. And in that raw file, we find the answer, but we also can be the answer and use the JPEG, the relative reality, in social situations. And the raw file is our intuitive experience of the universe moment by moment beyond understanding and description. Something that one feels and knows, but can't really describe. We can point fingers at it. The old Zen saying, the finger pointing at the moon is not the moon itself. And all the words and concepts we use to describe things that are indescribable are simply the fingers pointing. But wouldn't it be cool one day just to be the moon without the fingers pointing? Wouldn't it be cool to look at the world and see it the way it really is? Instead of being interpreted for us through politics or religion or gender, but just a raw experience. And then using that information to be skillful in what we think, say, and do. Someone asked me the other day about karma. Is it really important? Isn't it just a bumper sticker? <laughs> and I said, well, it's more than that. It has something to do with Buddhist ethics and morality. I said, one of the things we don't have is a divine lawgiver to define for us what is right and wrong. We're sort of out in the woods without a guide. But we have karma. Karma is what we say, what we think, what we do. And the results the consequence of our karma can allow us to see how well we're doing. So if we're having a good day, it has something to do with our karma. If we're having a bad day, it has something to do with our karma. The one thing that's in both cases is the accountability that karma gives us. So rather than waiting for the results of our karma, I think watching how we think allows us to have better karma rather than worse. The Buddha said our thoughts lead our speech and action into the world. And if our thoughts are skillful, generosity, compassion, and wisdom, then there is a good chance the consequences will be skillful too. And we'll be happy, or fulfilled, or satisfied, or joyful. And if we have thoughts of greed and hatred and delusion, there's a good chance the consequences will make us feel a bit uncomfortable, not quite sure of ourselves, taking some of that unhappiness and giving it to us in big doses. So understanding karma can be applied to the process of deciding what that raw file means to us. What does that direct experience allow us to see and allow us to do, allow us to say, allow us to think? So one day, I hope to be able to stand here and say that I have figured it out and I am doing it. <laughs> so far, I'm just starting to figure it out. 
doing is just around the corner. You know? But there's an old saying, what's in your wallet? <laughs> and I would change that and say, what's in your process?